what are some of the latest slang words you may have learned recently? And do you hate them or do you love them? You know, I was thinking about the word riz the other day. Uh, (laughs) I feel like I've never heard it used, but maybe that's just I'm not... uh, Hip with the kids yeah, enough. you're not a teenager and not a teenage <laughs> girl, unfortunately. Now, this is a good moment for me to admit the fact that I am very old and another one who is not a teenage girl. And I've got Riz in Green's Dictionary of Slang, but it's, it's 1836 is our first appearance. Oh, and it wow. means it means annoyed. Now, this is the moment where you say, come on, Jonathan, don't you realize it means... Can I have an answer, please? Uh, yeah, uh, Nowadays, I think it is an abbreviation for charisma. Yeah. Oh, well, there you have me. But again, with this, I mean, here is Riz. For my purposes, when it means annoyed, it, may, it means rise. It's, it's, it's the idea of risen emotions. It's not an abbreviation um, chopped out of charisma. What I always say with slang is that, you know, I'm 75. If I survive, next year I'll be 76. Slang is 17. <laughs> Next year, slang will be 17, and indeed the year after, but I will be whatever. Indeed, one day I shall be gone, and I have to acknowledge that. I hope there is somebody somewhere who's saying, God, that man Green, he knows nothing. He knows nothing, because that's how I started off my career in this. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey, everybody, and... Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm Kyle Imperator. And I'm Emily Moyers. And Kyle, I hear you've got a word for me. Emily, the drip on this word I got for you today is so extra, it's bougie. You finna be salty, you finna be shook, but no cap, it's bussin'. (laughs) Okay, so Kyle's finally succumbed to whatever identity crisis this is right now. You just don't get me. Kyle, what's the word? Emily, your word today is slang. Ah, well then, Kyle, I have someone here with me today who will get you, and probably many others, because he has been considered the world's leading lexicographer of slang. He's the author of books including The Big Book of Filth, Neologisms, A Dictionary of Contemporary Coinages, and one which we have referenced a few times on this podcast, Green's Dictionary of Slang. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jonathan Green. Thank you very much for talking to me. (laughs) Jonathan, thank you so much for being here today. Would you like to give yourself a more proper introduction than I just did? Slang. Why should I be proper? Anyway, I'll do my best. (laughs) Okay, I I started off with the first slang dictionary I ever wrote. It was 1984, and it was called the Contemporary Dictionary of Slang, or the Dictionary of Contemporary Slang, I forget. But the point really is that It was from 1945 to 1984, and all the entire dictionary easily fitted into the letter S in my current dictionary. Indeed, there would have been huge space to swing enormous amounts of caps and so on and so forth. But in 1993, an editor said, Jonathan, have you ever thought of doing a dictionary of slang? 
and I managed to control my normal self and not say, how <laughs> dare you not know about the one that I wrote in 1984, and said to the guy, that's a good idea. Would you like me to do one? <laughs> and my life at that moment, I won't say it changed, but it took on a focus that it has never abandoned. But that's what I do. I mean, I, I, my, my biggest work, Green's Dictionary of Slang, was, was effectively born then, but it didn't actually appear till 2010. It was a long haul. And ever since then, I tried to make money out of it. Well, you can imagine <laughs> that didn't work. That did not work. But I tried to make some money out of it. And eventually I thought, no, there's two things going on here. This is your life's work. Every day you get up mm. in the morning and you do it. Occasionally you allow yourself to do other things, but fundamentally that's what you do. Mm. And are you doing this to be an increasingly aged guy sitting in a basement finding yet another synonym for masturbation? Or are you actually <laughs> providing as many people as possible in the English-speaking world with what you like, which is authoritative, and I would like to think worthwhile and important information? And there was no contest. So I, I just announced again on Twitter, I said, it's free, it's free. And it has been free since 2018. And it will always be free. So that's Green Dictionary Slang. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is a wonderful website. And I mean, a, a great dictionary. But the fact that it's online and searchable is incredible. You know, I look at the 2010 one, the, the hard copy one, which got, dare I say, very good reviews. But I, it was so obvious that there was so little you could do. I mean, if you want to know, and indeed I can, if you, you know, if we have the time, you know, say, right, how many, how many words was Shakespeare use? How many slang words did Shakespeare use that no one had ever used before? Right. Bingo. I can tell you that. Now, there's no way you, yes, <laughs> I could tell you that going through the 6,200 pages of Green's Dictionary yeah. of Slang <laughs> in, three volumes, in three volumes. But this takes yeah. XX microseconds. And it's yeah. wonderful. But that's what there should be. And that's what everybody should have. The model of yeah. the book, obviously, is, is the Oxford English Dictionary because it has these things called citations. And mm. for those who, who, who don't know what citations are, it comes from the French citation, which means quotation. And it's a usage. It's, a, it's an example of usage. And that's why when we were talking about Riz, I can say, ah, oh, we've got that in 1836 because <laughs> I have found it. And, and if you go to Riz, adjective, you will find a list of different uh, examples starting off that year. And to the best of my ability, one example Every, every 10 years from every English speaking country. And it's, it gives me en endless, endless some work to do. <laughs> I'm sure it does. But I mean, you've seemingly covered endless work already. You know, <laughs> the size is incredible. Uh, before we ask all, you all of our nagging questions, Jonathan, I, I want to start simple here. Slang. What does that word mean? Where does it come from? For me, and I strictly say for me, it's a kind of mood music. There, there are those, some of my predecessors, who feel that it's got to be X, Y, and Z. It's got to tick, and I've seen this, 21 boxes. Julie Coleman, who's a great historian, she's on a, a, in, making her way through a huge four, well, it'll be five volumes of the history of, of slang dictionaries and cant dictionaries, criminal slang dictionaries. She says four boxes. Someone else says 60. I think Jonathan Leiter, 
who, who did the dictionary of historical dictionary of American slang. I think he said 15 or something like that. None of that works for me. Maybe I'm too lazy that I can't go tick, 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 tick. <laughs> but for me, there is only one thing that matters is that the concept, the, for the underlying concept is that the, the, the word or the phrase should be seditious. It should take the piss, take the Mickey bliss, as they say in English, in English <laughs> rhyming slang. It should tease, it should undermine. Sometimes it can be really hardcore, politically critical. Most of the time it would be more likely to be witty or humorous or teasing or coarse or whatever. But it's got, to me, it's, it ought to have this seditious feel. I, rightly or wrongly, I think we're hardwired as people. Whatever it is, if there's a standard, we come up with an alternative, with a counter. Sure. I mean, yeah. I was part because of my uh, the, what they used to call the counterculture of the 60s. And I call slang a counter language because I think that's what it is. Now, where does it come from? This has probably got almost as many theories as there are words and phrases in my <laughs> dictionary. But it would appear there there is a... a a, a Russian-born but American academic working um, etymologist. He's actually known formally, I believe, as the Oxford etymologist He's at the, for the Oxford English Dictionary, Anatoly oh. Lieberman, a very, very clever man. And to paraphrase his extensive theory is that it all comes back from slang being a, a field length in north northeastern England in about 1200 or so on. And then the length becomes a distance that a peddler will walk. And then it becomes in a day, I guess. And so that's a slang. You walk a slang. Then after that, it becomes the peddler's language. And then it becomes, because peddlers tended to double in brass, but in this case, double in criminality, um, would be criminal language. And then it would be counter language, and then it would be slang. So that's that's Anatoly's theory. I've mangled it, and I apologize if ever he hears <laughs> this. But it's the one that I think is state of the art at the moment. Because there have been other ones like, oh, it means see, it's the S from secret and the lang from language. Oh, well, sure. it's appealing, but it ain't. Yeah. And so on and so <laughs> forth, and so on and so forth. Really interesting to, to think of it in physical terms before coming to mean what it means today with language. And I love the term counterlanguage. That's such a great way to describe I must accept slang. that I didn't coin it. I thought I coined it. It just seemed logical <laughs> to me, and, and it, I, it works. It has good mouth feel or whatever. It does have good mouth <laughs> But I yeah. think somebody coincidentally, dare I suggest, also came up with it. Absolutely. I mean, sure. and one of the fun things about slang is that by its very nature, it is counter the language of authors and, and academics. So, I'm sorry. I, have I, is there a quibble? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to suggest that yes and no. But please, please, it's... <laughs> I, I mean, I, I feel, I, I'm just going to say, you know, I, my question is, where do you look for slang? What resources do you use to discover slang? Yeah, I feel like it can't be easy because slang so often happens in speech rather than in writing. Absolutely. But I mean, I think because I'm using the, the, the citations, because I'm creating a, a dictionary, which is what they call on historical principles, which is not 
historical, i.e. old slang, but the history of each word and sense as they develop. I have a, I have a timeline for this called the sources of slang. And, and the, the categories that I broke it down in for, to make a legend, playwright, poet, novelist, journalist, crime writer, fictional character, lexicographer, song lyricist, cartoonist, script writer, hmm. academic. Those are huge, huge blocks of nuance that I'm not mentioning. <laughs> I mean, here we are looking at the relatively reasonably recent stuff. So Martin Amis did 400. I have 421 from him. Jack Kerouac, 607. Paul Beattie, who won the Booker Prize a few years ago, 465. Peter Carey, only 72, obviously doesn't like slang so much. But the bottom line, I mean, someone like Walter Winchell, who was a great gossip columnist and indeed a, a, a creator, oh. a coiner of slang, is you know pushing towards a thousand, I, I, I recall. But it is slightly serendipitous. First book I pulled off my shelf was Jack Kerouac. Everyone right. went in. So he's got 607. I can imagine where I pl pluck him from the shelf today, I would probably find 67, not 607. It's very difficult. I mean, it, it, no, it's not difficult. It, 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 it's just <laughs> the order in which I – what's difficult is the reading. The huge difference – do I even need to say it? Is of course the net. For instance, I had a guy in, I suppose it must have been around 2000, 2005. I employed him in, he lived in Australia and there was a very famous, very important magazine called the Sydney Bulletin. It was part, it was very right wing. It was very racist. But what above that, most of Australia was at that time. Um, I mean, there are some terrible things I've read. I mean, just awful, awful. Anyway, sure. but it, it wasn't all, only Australia. But basically, one of the things that the Sydney Bulletin was into was creating an Australian language that cast off imported British stuff. And so you've got ah. this amazing flow of new Australian slang that is coming off their pages and is being used within the, within Australian culture and Australian conversation. So I hired this guy to read the bulletin and sure. which, and he would go through it and he would take notes and he would send me files and I would transcribe them into, into my database. That was fine. I could have done that, but I would have had to get <laughs> on an airplane. I would have had to be there, say, five years. I would have had to have accommodation, etc., right. etc. Et yeah. But the beauty is that by 2010, there was this deeply wonderful thing called Trove. Trove is the Australian National Newspaper Database. So I don't need to get on the plane anymore. Right. I don't need to do all those <laughs> other things. I just click on the icon that says Trove. I can now do it without leaving the desk, and it makes such a difference. It's, I mean, it's true for, for the OED, for the Oxford English Dictionary as well. Yeah. But there is another thing about the net is that, my goodness, there's such a lot of stuff there. But there's, but there's <laughs> yeah. also a sentence which is, my goodness, there's such a lot of stuff there. And that's the problem for the lexicographer. As hard as I try, and it's generational, of course it's generational. But, I mean, because to ask the question, you've got to know where to look. Well, to find the information, you've got right. to know what questions to ask. And yeah, right. in the end, if I don't know 
that riz can mean charisma, then I'm not going to go searching for the citations that will yeah. find it. You know, that's always been a problem. A friend of mine called Sarah Ogilvy has written a, a wonderful book. She works with, with Oxford and she's been a lexicographer and so on. And it's called Dictionary People. And it's about the people that the OED used to read for the dictionary. And Sarah's book is about, about you know, not, they're not all professors, nor are they yes. all madmen. But, um, right. nor are they all men. Nor, nor, nor that is an extremely good point. Nor are they all men indeed. And there's lots of the misses somebody, the misses this and the misses that and the sisters yes. the other. But, the amazing thing is that all over the world, there are these people reading away for Dr. Murray, James Murray, who was the editor of the, of, the, of the OED, and finding this stuff. And what I do is no different, but I, I have these wonderful technical extras and a weird marginal world in which I work, which they wouldn't, of course, because slang sure. didn't, slang didn't go in. Anyway. Right. Uh, I just wanted to really quick circle back to that uh, that quibble you had that slang is not the language of academics. It's certainly collected by academics, but that but that does tend to be as you approach more towards the lexicographical linguistic side of things. I mean, right. here is the name Connie Ebley. She did this wonderful thing for about thirty years. Her English class, she would say, "Right, we're going. You're going to prepare me." your slang. You're going to make me lists of your slang. And every year she would circulate it to people like me. So she's got 3,152 citations in this because wow. I don't have the individual students' names. And the journal, American Speech, you know, full of this stuff. Again, they, they liked yeah. it. They were very big, particularly in the 30s, on college slang again. But on the whole, they tend to be popular culture. They, they yeah. are more P.G. Woodhouse, 1500, yeah, so on right, and so yeah. forth. Yeah, I mean, we're sense. talking about popular culture. Helen Green. Helen Green was this wonderful writer in around 1900, and she wrote books about sort of theatrical bohemian people. And she wrote one called it The Actor's Boarding House, and she wrote another one called The Maison de Shine. But after she'd done this, and she wrote a lot of stuff in, I think, the, whatever, vanity, the version of Vanity Fair in those days. And they were mm -hmm. all wonderfully slangy. You know, it's fascinating. I, you know, the the way that we have, that you have to kind of find where the slang is, is archived uh, through, you know, people who were just, you know, a part of that culture. I, I read the book that the movie Newsies was based on, and they talk about how the uh, author was trying to find, you know, firsthand accounts of people of people who were, you know, newspaper boys in the late 1800s, and they had to go to vaudeville actors and their memoirs because those were the only people who were writing about their childhood right. and doing that. But this so, is absolutely, you know, you're, you're so right. I yeah. mean, it's, yeah. it's, has it been recorded? Because it's the back right. of the queue. It was the back yeah. of the queue when printing was invented. Yep. And it's kind of been the back of the queue till, the, till like I would suggest, the, the, the mid-20th century. Although, you know, obviously the amount that's available gets bigger and bigger and bigger. People find it useful, particularly for right. crime. It gives you authenticity and stuff. Sure. But you're so right. And it's those kind of things. And I've read a lot of vaudeville or in UK music hall related newspapers again. Yeah. And there'll be interviews with the stars and they will throw in a bit of stage stuff and whatever it might be. But yes, it's, it's all that thing about trying to Find yeah. It. yeah. What do you think brought it to the front of the queue? What What do you think makes 
archiving slang important or useful? It's a, it's a dirty job. Someone's got to do it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I mean, I think it's enormously useful because whatever the, 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 the negative viewpoint is, is that slang in every sense of the word is bad language. It isn't. Mm. It's language. And that's the part you've got to look at. I also would suggest that while slang is in many, many ways considered reprehensible and not the language you should use and cruel right. and racist and sexist and so on and so sure. forth, I'm sorry, I'm an old cynic, it's us at our most human. And I'm afraid yeah. human does not mean caring, sharing and compassionate. What it means is quite the opposite. And, 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 the, you know, and, and if you look at the taxonomy of the frequencies of slang themes in Green's Dictionary of Slang, you will find that top of the list is crime, and then sure, sex, sure. and then yeah. intoxication, and then insults, and then violence, and then instability, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But caring, yeah. sharing, and compassion, I'm afraid you're, you're going to have to find a different lexicography. Because <laughs> mine cannot help you. <laughs> when I read John B.'s Dictionary of Slang, you know, his preface, he goes through lengths to say, you know, yeah, well, yes, yeah, slang is used by, you know, criminals and kind of these, you know, all these different underground uh, cultures, but it's the language of people. It's, you know, it's the human language and, and we need to respect it for that. There is a quote that I have that bears this out so well. And I sit it at the top of my Twitter profile. And Jonathan basically says, slang is what, what we do think, not what we're told to think. This doesn't mean, of course, I'm, that, that the first bit is his. I mean, all I'm saying is it, it doesn't mean it's right, as it were, or moral or admirable. But I think, it, as I say again, it's us that are most human. For me, that's something we, I don't even feel I have to live with. It's something I relish living with. Otherwise, I'd get terribly depressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, I'm, I'm glad you brought up John B. Because this segues us nicely into talking about the names in lexicography that come up on our podcast a lot. The biggest of whom is Francis Gross. And Jonathan, I, it's quite possible that you are Francis Gross's biggest advocate in the modern era. <laughs> um, and so I'd, I'd love to hear you properly introduce him to the general audience. Francis Gross is essentially slang's Dr. Johnson. They knew each other. I think they, they, they oh. associated occasionally. As in Samuel Johnson? As in Samuel Johnson, sorry. Yeah. Gross was a militia captain at the time he was best known as an antiquarian and he would wander right. the country and unlike Samuel Johnson was very fond of Scotland and was a great friend of Burns the poet oh. and drew all the, the, the falling down houses and God knows what else he could find and did it also in Ireland but sadly he died doing it in Ireland but he did oh. this other thing which the Gentleman's Magazine which was actually probably quite racy despite its title in, in, in Gross's obituary, he said, you know, he put, aside from his antiquities, he, he, he created a book which it might perhaps be better had he left unpublished. <laughs> the classical dictionary of the vulgar tongue. And what that is, is a slang dictionary. And my proudest possession is 
a copy of that dictionary interleaved with Grosser's handwritten notes. And the story is for his new slang. This was the 1785. These were the notes for the next edition, the 1788. And the story is, and I'm damned if I'm going to accept these people who say it's not true, is that every night (laughs) Grosser would go out, and he was, by the way, um, fine nominative determinism. He was a very big, fat chap. And butchers yes. <laughs> allegedly would compete to say, "Say, will you, will you say you buy your meat from us? Um, because you're <laughs> such a fine fig- figure." And he would go out every night with his servant, and they Tom were, Cocking, isn't it? Tom Cocking, I think it is indeed. Oh, well, well, so yeah. there's another one called Bunch, I think, or but and, and they'd wander the streets of London, which were, of course were rather more limited in those days. Um, and they would no doubt go to the, 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 the taverns and perhaps the yeah, brothels. the South and the, Bank. And wherever they could go, I'd imagine. And the thing, the theory being that Gross would either jot these things down or mem- remember them. And when he came back, he would write them down on these, these sheets of paper. Meanwhile, they, the two of them, Cocking being slightly more sober, being the servant or, servant or so we think, would strap <laughs> Captain Francis Gross into his bed the reason being that whether Gross was <laughs> incapably drunk or not, apparently the thing was that if his stomach started moving oh, over the edge oh. of the bed, the entirety of the captain would follow and, <laughs> oh he, and, he, and he would end up on the floor. So, I mean, as I say, mean, unadventurous, prosaic people say this is complete nonsense. For me, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's my great can- hero. We can choose to believe. <laughs> I wish to. Yeah. I wish to. The thing about Gross, though, is you know that story is is part of it. Is that you can imagine slang dictionary writers, the first of whom is you know writing a tiny glossary in fifteen thirty two, the next one is fifteen fifty something, the next one is fifteen sixty something. There aren't that many of us, and we are not very three dimensional. I mean, yeah, you could write about me because, well, because, for instance, you're, you're talking to me. Um, but nobody <laughs> yeah. sat down with Thomas Harmon, who was a magistrate in London in 1566. And the story is that these beggars would come to his back door and he would say, OK, OK, beggar, you want some food? Fine. Give me 10 slang words. <laughs> Again, very apocryphal. (laughs) Gross is the first, hang on, let me think if I'm right. I think I'm right. I'm almost positive. He's the first slang lexicographer of whom we have a face. We don't have any pictures. And once he's gone, the next, there's Pierce Egan, who was a big sporting journalist and actually rewrote, well, revised Gross. We have his face. John Camden Houghton, who comes in 1859, we don't have his face. And so it goes. I mean, we just don't have uh, that kind of three-dimensional right. knowledge, uh, which yeah. and it breaks my heart. <laughs> Not quite, but it, it does. Yeah. So gross is someone you hang on to, you cuddle. Sure, and, you know, yes, you yeah. And that you big think, friendly oh. man. I mean, yes, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> the mascot of, of exactly. slang. <laughs> I mean, I really yeah. recommend to anybody they should look up a picture because he's a great delight. He's got such a happy, he is the classic, you know, jolly fat man. Yeah. And you get the feeling he probably was, you know, as well. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so many people I, were writing about him, even his like contemporaries, they were writing about him and, and like him personally. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm, as again, I would suggest possibly more in the context of the antiquarianism and of the wandering around Scotland and Ireland and so on. Because I mean, I right. went to look at his papers in 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 in, you know, in, in the um, Antiquarian Society or the whatever it's called in, in London. A friend of mine took me, and absolutely no mention of slang at all. And, yeah. and so he's yeah. got this whole world, and it was just—I mean—why he chose to do the dictionary, I do not know the answer. And yeah. all the jolly tales and the and the leather straps and the drunkenness and the whatever else yeah. still doesn't tell us why, Francis, did you decide to do this dictionary? Not just once, but three different editions, and it's yeah. you know one of the most important slang dictionaries ever ever put together for you know in contemporary terms. One could almost believe he was just dared to do it and it took on a life of its own. <laughs> well, perhaps he was drinking with Samuel Johnson and Johnson said, oh, I've done my dictionary. Bet you couldn't do a dictionary. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, one writer who did write about his work in slang lexicography was John B., a.k.a. John Badcock. We've brought him up on the podcast before and how he thought Gross was not the most accurate documenter of slang. And I'll, I'll admit, I had sort of written him off after that. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the matter. Badcock slash B was the great plagiarist of the party. I mean, he, he I, I mentioned very briefly Pierce Egan. Pierce Egan is probably most famous now for coining the, the immortal duo come up in many guises, Tom and Jerry. Corinthian Tom oh, and Jerry wow. and his country cousin Jerry Hawthorne, and again wow. I'm lucky again to have a lovely first edition. He brought it was the a lot of people say it was the first ever bestseller, 1821. It's properly called Life in London, but to go back to the lexicography, John B. I don't know whether he hated him or not, but but <laughs> he basically everything everything Egan did, John B. had to do as well. And it is generally felt that he didn't do it as well. He's, mm. he's an interesting outlier, but I think one can pick more holes in the slang that he includes, let alone his etymologies for it and his general commentaries on it, than you can in Egan, let alone Gross. John Bancock is a mysterious figure, and he, but he does tend to exist reflected in Egan's light. He wasn't a sufficiently important person. People were not yeah. bothering about him. Gross was known, but I, I, I would stress, for the, his antiquarian scholarship. Egan was known for his sporting journalism and this enormous yeah. bestseller. But B was sort of puttering along, you know, backstage. Nobody quite focused on him. John Camden Hotton was more interesting. John Camden Hotton was, as well as a another plagiarist, although of America, of people like Mark Twain, rather heavier duty than slang. And sure. he was a pornographer. He had what he called his flower garden, which was a collection of of, of, of basically flagellation books. Um, mm. and he, but he was a very, very successful publisher. And he decided at some stage again to do a slang dictionary. When Hotton died, his obituary for one person being Hotton, Rotten, Forgotten um, was, <laughs> was, was very mean, very mean. Probably one of the great three-dimensional ones, if, if we can continue on this, is, yeah, is George please. Washington Matsell. 
the beastly bloated booby, as he was known. <laughs> I would stress to his friends, I, God knows what the rest of it, who was the chief of New York police in the 1850s of immeasurable corruption, worked with a woman called R Madame Restel, who's an abortionist, and they made a lot of money. And again, he quite, in his case, I think quite logically, as a policeman, came in contact with a lot of slang. Right. And, and it's very interesting because a lot of people tended to say, oh, Matzel, he just, he just copied Houghton, he just copied Egan, whatever, whatever. But my friend Jesse Scheidlauer, who's a well-known lexicographer and used to be on the OED, gave a very good talk about this and looked into it and then stimulated by that, I looked into it. And no, what Matzel comes up with a lot of New York slang that simply had not been recorded. He's very important. And we do have a picture of him and he is pretty beastly and bloated. You should, again, I recommend it. <laughs> Seems to be a running theme. Yeah, in, uh, well, yeah. I've, I've lost a bit of weight recently, but... Um. <laughs> You'll break the mold. Hey, uh, speaking of coming to modern day, slang words often become mainstream over time. When does slang stop being slang? The big rule for me, and I think this is true for any lexicographer, or particularly, dare I link myself... The OED and me, who both do these dictionaries on historical principles, is it is always older than you think. Repeat after sure. me. It is always. <laughs> and it is. It is. It's only for the fact that. But slang is harder in that context because it's not being recorded, because it's a marginal. It's called a it's a low, the people who use it are low status, even criminal, et cetera, right. et cetera. It depends. Yes, I know a certain percentage of the kids' vocabulary. Do you mm -hmm. think I'm going to start wandering around using it? No, I'm probably <laughs> stuck in the slang of the 60s to an extent. And, right. as, you know, and, and that, of course, is the African-American slang of the 30s. Yeah. And so, yeah. it's, you know, it's, so it's been re the beatniks with the beats and the beatniks revamped it. It crossed the Atlantic. The hippies carried on with it so on and so forth. And then, I mean, there's a word like cool. Cool has meant all those things that cool means. It's a, it's a positive in slang. It's been around probably since the 18th century, certainly the 19th. It still hasn't, I still wouldn't say that it's entered the mainstream. Booze, which is first recorded in 1532, different spelling, bows, but we're still talking the same thing. We're talking alcohol, yeah. we're talking to take a drink, is still hanging in there. But I still don't think standard English, standard American, whatever, is going to use booze and accept, other than it's still going to be slangy. All right, yeah, you can push it to colloquial. Point. You can push it to colloquial. Right. But I would put up my hand and say, don't ask me to put a line between what's slang and what's <laughs> colloquial, because I simply do not know. I really don't. <laughs> sure. Each generation, I think, sustains it. People always yeah. ask me, and I'm very bad at this answer, because they always say, what's the, what's the hot new slang? And quite honestly, I'm much more interested in what's this hot, older use of a word we thought was 1920 turns out to be 1820. That sure. is what I find exciting. The fact that a new word for having sex essentially breaks down to man hits woman, which has been the, the underlying theme since 1530, and of course much longer, but for slang's purposes in recording, 
it, 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 mm. is, it doesn't surprise me. I expect it. And sure enough is what happens. But it doesn't make me excited because somebody of 17 is using it. I want to know what the 17-year-old of 15, 20 is using, or whatever it might be. But that's me. I'm an old man. Well, <laughs> you know, talking about a source that might be for hot new slang and, and maybe a source that people have heard more about, how do you feel about a platform like Urban Dictionary? Uh. <laughs> 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 Urban Dictionary is, is, a, is a fascinating thing. But to me, this is probably so antithetic to the world in what we live. One of the words that to me is... And included in the word dictionary is the word authority. If I, if somebody comes to my dictionary, yes, I get it wrong. Of course, I get it wrong. But I'm trying to get it right, and I'm researching to get it right, and I am going backwards and forwards and all over the shop to get it right. I am not deciding that I stick a thumb up next to my definitions. I mean. We had a funny little conference, we, we slang folk, and there are about three of us, in Leicester in about 2013. And the guy who set up the Urban Dictionary came along. And we, we all chatted away. And, uh, and, and, I, I, and I don't want to put words into his mouth, but if I, recall, if I recall correctly, he said, well, look, it's not really urban, and it's not really a dictionary. <laughs> so where do you go from there? <laughs> It's lying to you from the title. <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's very useful. And if you were yeah. to do a search in Green's Dictionary of Slang for how many hits Urban Dictionary has, you'd find plenty. Because of course, sure. that you know they they do they do get this stuff. But where I think my argument with them is that it lacks authority. A dictionary should tell you things you can trust, and I don't yeah. really feel you can trust Urban Dictionary. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, it is a super fair point. So if we can't if we can't necessarily trust Urban Dictionary, um, what is something, Jonathan, that you feel everyone should know about slang to take away from this conversation? I think I'll have to repeat myself again, and I think it's my rule: it's always old and you think, and people should accept that it's part of the language, but it is this counter part of the language. It's this seditious part of the language, but it is above all human. It is not some kind of weird stuff. It is what we really are, or that is what I believe. Yeah, I think that is a great point. That's what we are. We're slang. We're, re we're rebels, you know? We're rebels. We're seditious. We're seditious. We <laughs> Wonderful. Jonathan, we've learned so much from you today. And I was hoping that maybe you'd be interested in playing a little game with us before you... As long as started. I'm allowed to lose. <laughs> You're allowed to. I don't know if you will. We will see. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> So the game I have for you two today is called It's a Living. Intro the Flintstones theme music. <laughs> yeah, the Flintstones. Yeah, it's a living. <laughs> um, so there are two professions which come up again and again in the dictionary of the vulgar tongue. And one of which is the world's oldest profession, prostitution. And the other is thievery. So in this game, I'm going to give you three terms. And your job is to guess which of these terms is referring to neither a thief nor a prostitute. Makes sense? I see. 
Got yes. you. I like it. I may not know it, but I do like it. <laughs> That's fine. Then maybe you and Emily will be on equal footing here. Then. <laughs> so which is not a thief and not a whore. Okay. And not a whore, yes. That's what, gotcha, Gro- exactly. that's what Gross would have said. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. So here's your first group of three. Your options are Gandhi Dancer, oh. Rum Dubber, and Public Ledger. Wow. So which of these is not a prostitute or a thief? I mean, Gandhi Dancer has got to be a prostitute, right? <laughs> not in my book. No? <laughs> no, I would, that is the odd, that's the weird one. That's the, that's that, the odd that's, one that's, out? That's the outlier. Gandhi Dancer means somebody, he's a track worker. And I think it is he. It, track worker, it's an American slang word. It's, I, I almost put it as, as, as jargon myself. Whereas the public ledger is gross. Would after that, I'm almost certain, has some terrible pun about anyone named scribe in her, etc. Something oh. awful, <laughs> yeah, awful yeah, line yeah. like that. He does yeah. like to put little jokes in there. Yeah, he Francis certainly Gross does. does. It's, he says, he says, because like that paper, she's open to all parties. Oh, he's, oh yes, my he, gosh. He's even worse. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he, you just sit, I mean, he was probably drunk. Yeah. yeah. And Rum Dubber is a thief. I mean, is is? I'm just looking it up. I'm cheating. Oh. I'm cheating. This is, but this is not fair. Life is not fair. I'm slang. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, dub, or I'll give you the back, background. Dub is a lock, and it, oh, me, it okay, means sure. a pick lock. Uh, uh, some, somebody yeah. who, who, who breaks into locks, rum simply means good. There's two big words in slang. There's rum, well, of this sure, 18th rum. century, there's rum and there's queer. And rum is everything good, and queer is everything bad. And there's an awful lot, and you could pro- there's probably a queer dubber somewhere, and that will be that will be a bad locksmith. I mean, but this, sure, this yeah. is an expert lock, yeah, expert pick lock. Do you think you know what a Gandhi is in the Gandhi dancer? If you had to take a guess, well, the interesting thing is that in slang, slang, it's just a petty crook or a tramp. So now we're in trouble because we've got two thieves and one prostitute, and no odd one. <laughs> Because the first, this is what happens, you see. Basically, the original, it's people working for the Gandhi Manufacturing Company, who were the makers makers of railroad repair equipment. And when they were out of work, they would tramp around and they (laughs) slid into, they were casual workers, but they also slid into a bit of tramping and a bit of criminality and so on. Sure. So, they were pickaroons. There you go. Okay, <laughs> next question, guys. I'm ready. Your options are Snatch Cly, Harridan, and Knocker Upper. Which one is not a prostitute or a thief? Knocker Upper is you're trying to trick me. I think Knocker Upper is more innocent <laughs> than, than it trick? sounds. <laughs> I'll, I'll put a plus one to that. Yeah. You guys are correct. The knocker-upper is not. Isn't it the, uh, just like the, uh, the guy who raps on the windows to wake you up in the morning? Yes. You got it. But I mean, this is one of the, can I, again, a little, um, a minor waffle. I mean, one of the, yeah. one of the things, 
you know, that is so, so common with slang, which after all, 85, probably 90% of which is just playing games with standard English. It's just, mm. you know, virtually everything can have a sexual side, a thieving side, right. a commercial yeah. sex side, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it, you, again, like with Gandhi dancers, this is what, this is what happens. And I'm just looking at knock up. The original meaning is to waken. So that's yeah. what, it, that's, you know, I'm just going to give us the date, which is 1603. So it means oh, it would have right. even been earlier, yeah. earlier. But it's from people. Not, I will knock up this rogue Hugh Feathers. Rise, yeah. rise. Gross described a snatch cly as a thief who snatches women's pockets, and okay. he described a Harridan as a miserable, scraggy, worn-out harlot fit to take her bod's degree, uh, and says that it was derived from the French word aridel, which was a worn-out jade of a horse or mare. Wow. I don't know if that uh, I'm not yes, I'm just with I'm, your definitions, John. I know. I mean look, I would have I would have certainly well I I'm I'm gonna look it up, forgive me, but um is it two hours he has? Yes. No, you see yes. I haven't put it in. That's interesting. I've oh. decided that gross has simply misdefined a much more common standard English word. Now I may be wrong, but I still I, I my feeling is that he did and that's the decision I made. So it's not in the yeah. dictionary. Yeah, when I when I did look up Harridan, it, it's in modern use, but not necessarily as a prostitute, just as a. No, I mean I think uh, of it as just a, just a, a, an, a, a, an old lady, like being a crone, in, yeah, a crone indeed. Somebody, I mean, I don't know whether you know yeah. English pantomime, but you know the the a witch that you get in that kind of thing. right, the ugly sisters. Yes. <laughs> okay, are you guys ready for the last question? Yeah. Your options are receiver general. Night soil collector and snudge. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I cannot wait for you to tell me what snudge means. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, certainly not, it's certainly not a, it's not a prostitute. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, I mean, the three of them. But the questions going through my head is, there's such a huge Grossian pun in receiver general. Nudge, <laughs> yeah, nudge, truly. nudge, nudge. Um, Absolutely. Snudge is basically a miser. It's made of two words, sneak and budge. Uh, it's a curmudgeon, curmudgeon, a sneaking fellow. But it's, it's, but it's a miser. But then again, one, def one definition's lower. It's a thief who enters your house when you're maybe out hides till you've gone to bed, come back and gone mm -hmm. to bed, then you steal everything and so on. Then he goes off with the with with, with his with his swag. A little snudge. Yeah. A little snudge. Oh, wow. I've got to look at the receiver is what we're looking at here. I mean receiver yeah, that's general. Gotta yeah. Be receiver general. Sexual. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's a pun. It's a yeah, that makes sense. actually it was exactly what you'd expect. A pretty good pun too. You know, well, it's recognizable. He doesn't mess about <laughs> no, he's just not. Do you know what, what a the night soil collector is then, Jonathan? Yeah, night soil collector. I mean, unless it's, I mean, I, I only know it as, as what used to be called a gold finder or Tom Turdsman. And this was the people who emptied the privies. Oh. A, a, a night soil, but night soil, I mean, night soil is very, is, is not slang, surely. I mean, it's a very straight, 
Unless I've got it in here, but I'd, I'd be surprised. But who knows? No, yeah, I mean, you're completely correct. It was someone who was responsible for emptying and transporting human waste from chamber pots and privies in urban areas before modern sewage systems. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, Kyle, Tom Turdsman is way better than the one you had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, you're, you're correct. A I certain, think I've been called a, a Tom Turdsman. A certain resonance. <laughs> you can see why I enjoy this country. It's yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's, it's eminently enjoyable. <laughs> Every entry in Gross's dictionary is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations, to both of you, everyone, really. I think we've all won today. <laughs> um, and we've learned so much. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming on the show to talk about all of this slang history with us. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to plug here on the podcast? Where can people find you? Probably these days in some kind of doctor's waiting room, but um, <laughs> it's, it's Green's Dictionary of Slang. I mean, it's got an HTTP in front of it, I think, but if you look it up, Green's Dictionary of Slang, you will find, and the timelines of slang you will also find. And I do have a, a presence on Substack where I write occasionally uh, uh, again about, surprise, surprise, slang. <laughs> but um, that, that's it. That's it. I, I get up and you know, I do this job. I shall do it forever. I've been doing it, I sometimes think, forever. Um, I'm so grateful for this. It's been a real delight. I love talking oh. about my beloved slang, and thank you for allowing me to do so. Thank you. We we love hearing about it. Absolutely. And the, the dictionary, for everyone listening, is well worth the time. So it's take so a great. look. Thank you again, Jonathan. This was absolutely fantastic to have you on. And... Thank you to our listeners. And remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media on Facebook and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Butter No Parsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers. And you've been... Me, Jonathan Green. <laughs> and this has been Butter No Parsnips. Parsnips.